We are on Yevamos Kufta Zainam Abayz, the bottom of 116b, moving on to Kufiyat Zainam Aleph, 117a. And we are beginning a new Mishnah. This Mishnah it has a similar structure to the last Mishnah, in that it starts off with a dispute, a machlokes between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel. And it concludes with Beis Hillel agreeing, in the end, to Beis Shammai. And as we pointed out in the last recording from the last Mishnah, that this is Beis Hillel who we know we follow the the position of Beis Hillel because not necessarily because he was smarter or brighter than Beis Shammai, but because he first he had the mida the the attribute of first listening to the other side the other opinion uh, before presenting his own and this is an example of where he changed his opinion because he listened to Beis Shammai. This Mishnah and Gemara, we will cover both the Mishnah and the Gemara on on this uh, Mishnah, it's a short Gemara, uh, discusses a very interesting topic. Um, we've been discussing the topic about the fact that uh, one witness is believed, even the wife herself is believed, to testify that her husband passed away. One witness is believed to say that the husband passed away, even though in general we require two witnesses. Uh, but we have a certain leniency, as we've been explaining, for various reasons. Uh, uh, essentially, but perhaps primarily because we want to give her the opportunity to marry somebody else. And if nobody's able to testify that, that her husband passed away when he was traveling, or whatever the, the scenario is, so then um, so then uh, we want to give her that ability to, to get married. So we will believe her, and even just one witness, even though in general we, believe, we require two witnesses. So the question that's coming up now is, well, to testify that somebody passed away, there are, there are more ramifications... Uh, to us than just whether or not the wife could remarry. Uh, for example, there are ramifications about what happens with his estate. <coughs> do we do we give it to the Yorshim? Do we give it to uh, to his relatives? Um, according to the Torah, it goes to his relatives. So does it does it go to the relatives? Does it not go to the relatives? Do we actually assume that he passed away with regards to all areas, all halachos, all the ramifications? Or is it limited to only the fact that we let her get remarried. We allow her to marry somebody else, and the whole reason why we allowed one witness is to allow her to remarry. But with regards to the other halachos, the other ramifications, we're going to say, that, no, we, we require the regular standards of two witnesses. Another example would be uh, the ksuba. We know that the wife receives her ksuba money. She, re- she receives the money that the husband uh, promised to his wife in case... Uh, the marriage ends, whether that's through divorce or through death, uh, he has to support his wife um, after he passes away. So does she receive that money, the ksuba money, or does she not receive it? So that's that's a pretty good question. And is it even possible? Some of the Akronim, the later commentators, use a language of palginan dibura. We could some sort of split uh, how, how much we believe through this testimony, that even though we believe the testimony with regards to one area of law, i.e. the fact that she can remarry, it doesn't mean that it's sufficient evidence for us to assume that, that the husband passed away with regards to other areas of law, such as um, Yerusha, uh, inheritance, the laws of inheritance, and such as the Ksuba money. And so that's really what our Mishnah is going to be discussing, together with the Gemara. So the Mishnah says, Beishamai Omrim, Tinase Vitito Ksubasa. Beishamai says that it's sufficient that uh, once she testifies on the fact, uh, or anybody, even one individual testifies that the husband passed away, to allow her to remarry, she could also collect her ksuba money. Basil says no, at least in the very beginning. We'll see that he later agrees to Beishamai, but in the very beginning he says that 
she could remarry, but she's but uh, the witness is not believed with regards to other areas of law with regards to saying that she we say that she cannot collect her ksuba money that we only believe one witness with regards to the leniency so that she could get remarried because that that's why we instituted this idea to believe one witness for with regards to monetary law so let her let uh, you need to have two witnesses so Amrulahem Beishamai Beishamai said to Beishelel he darted me over Chamur Avlo not your mama nakal I don't understand says Beishamai to Beishelel what's more severe monetary issues or the potential of uh, of committing essentially adultery by accident without her without her without being aware of it but uh, it's basically these are laws of uh, trying to prevent adultery um, so which one's more stringent certainly adultery is uh, erva. So then we should, if, if we're going to be lenient to the guards allowing her to, to remarry, so then certainly we should be lenient to the guards to the monetary issues. So Basil says, no. I'm relying on Basil. says, no. I'll prove you wrong. My proof is, is that we don't say, and seemingly everybody agrees to this, we don't say that the brothers of the deceased or, or the, the subject at hand, the, the person who we think uh, passed away, the brothers can't collect uh, from his estate. They don't have the ability to collect, to, to inherit from him. Everybody agrees to that. Uh, so just like the brothers can't collect, so too she cannot collect her ksuba. And so it seems to be that everybody's in agreement that when it comes to the laws of inheritance, it's not sufficient. We require two witnesses. When it comes to the law of her remarrying, everybody agrees that she could remarry. The whole question at hand is just about the ksuba money. Is she allowed to collect the ksuba money or not? So Basil says, at, at this point in time, she cannot collect the ksuba money. What will Beishamai respond back? So Beishamai says, Amr lam Beishamai, Vahalo mi sefer ksuba no much, u kosev la, shim tinasi la acher titli mash kosev lichi. Bechazer Beishel la horskid de veri Beishamai. Beishamai makes the following argument, and it's through this argument, seemingly, that Beishel says, Ah, you won. Beishamai, you have, uh, you, you've made a good argument, and Beishel, in the end, will follow Beishamai. What was the argument that Beishamai made? Beishamai said that whether or not she collects from the ksuba, it doesn't depend on whether the husband actually passes away. It doesn't depend on that. What allows her to collect her ksuba money is that if Beisdin says, if the court says that she is now allowed to get married, she's allowed to remarry, if that's what the court says, so then uh, she's allowed to collect her ksuba, independent of whether or not uh, we think he's alive or not. But if the court said it's not dependent on whether he's alive or not, it's dependent on whether she's allowed to remarry. So since this was a sufficient threshold to allow her to remarry, so she's allowed to collect her ksuba. You know, similar to the fact that she also collects her ksuba money, the money that he promised uh, to support her after after their marriage, if they get divorced. He's still alive after they get divorced. But the point is that she's now allowed to go marry somebody else. She's no longer with her husband. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so we say she's allowed to, she, that, that's the point in time when she's allowed to collect her ksuba money. So, so too over here. Even though we may not be certain when it comes to monetary issues, just like with the laws of inheritance, we're not certain that uh, he passed away will be lenient to allow her to remarry. But that is sufficient when it comes to the ksuba. Because the ksuba doesn't depend on whether or not he's... It, it, it's enough on, uh, for us to assume that he... whether or not he, he passed away. All we care about when it comes to the ksuba is, is she allowed to remarry? Did we give her permission to remarry? And the answer is yes. So then she could go ahead and collect her ksuba. And that's the way it's written even in the ksuba. And the, it's in the ksuba itself. It's written as such that says that when could she collect the money? It doesn't say when he passes away, necessarily. It's when she's allowed to remarry. Once she's, uh, once she's allowed to remarry, so then she's allowed to collect. Okay. So that was the back and forth between Beishamai and Beishelel. And Beishelel, in fact, there's no dispute in the end. Beishelel agrees to Beishamai. 
The Gemara now says as follows: Amr of Chista, Nisyavma, Yivma Nichnas Lanachla Apia, Heim Darshim Medrash Ksuba, Ani Anu Lonunjus Medrash Torah, Yakom Hashem Achiv Amr Rachmana Vaharekam. The Gemara wants to give another example, where just like by the Ksuba, the Ksuba depends on whether or not she's allowed to marry. Not really whether or not he passed away, but really whether or not she's allowed to remarry. In this case, she's allowed to remarry. And so therefore, we, we, she deserves her ksuba. So there's another example where um, uh, where there's another ramification which depends not on necessarily on whether she passed away, but whether she's allowed to do yibum. We know that if you have one witness, or even she herself, she's believed to say that her husband passed away. If they don't have any kids, so then there's the mitzvah of yibum. There is the mitzvah of yibum to marry the brother-in-law. And so um, she's believed to the extent that because we want to make sure she'll have the ability to remarry, so now the brother-in-law could, has the has the opportunity to do the mitzvah of Yibam, to marry his sister-in-law because she said, or a witness said, that her husband passed away. And so they do Yibam. Now, an outgrowth of doing Yibam, when you do the mitzvah of Yibam, the brother-in-law now is able to inherit from, from, from uh, meaning the brother of the husband, is allowed to inherit from the deceased husband. That's one of the laws that's stated in the Torah itself. That Yaakov uh, Malshimachiv, he he's able to to inherit, and so therefore he inherits the uh, from his brother right after doing yibum, because even though the laws of inheritance in general, we saw in the Mishnah really you require two witnesses in general for the laws of inheritance that we don't assume that he passed away uh, to then give over his state to uh, uh, to his relatives. No, we have to hold off until we have two witnesses. But when it comes to yibum. Yibum doesn't depend on him passing away. Yibum, whether or not he inherits, depends on whether or not he actually performed Yibum. And because the rabbis allowed her to do the mitzvah of Yibum, they perform Yibum, they get married, the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law, they get married. So now he's also able to, uh, in this unique circumstance, he's able to inherit from his brother because that's one of the ramifications of Yibum. So even though when it comes to his death, uh, we're not sure, and therefore the, in, in a regular scenario where there's no Yibum, the, uh, the brothers cannot inherit from, his, uh, from him. But uh, when it comes to this case, because of Yibam, they did Yibam, so now he is allowed to uh, inherit from from the deceased husband. Okay. The Gemara now will be discussing different scenarios where we know that if she comes and testifies that her husband passed away, we believe her. You know, there are certain, a few instances where uh, we were concerned for either lying or that she got confused, uh, but in general, we believe her. But what happens... Well, now that there's this ramification that she also receives the ksuba money, well, now we have to be concerned. Maybe she's only testifying, not because she's an aguna and she can't get remarried. Maybe she's testifying because she wants to receive the money. It's all about the money. So now, are we concerned that maybe she's lying just to receive the money? So, Amr of Nachman. So, Rav Nachman says, well, maybe it depends on the case. So the Gemara says, uh, Rav Nachman says, that if she comes to court and she says, my husband passed away, let me remarry. So we let her remarry. Not only that, but now that she's allowed to remarry, as we pointed out in the Mishnah, she's allowed to collect her ksuba money. But if she comes to court and she says, my husband passed away, she doesn't mention anything about remarrying. She says, my husband passed away, give me my ksuba money. So then we will, not only will we not give her ksuba money, but we also won't let her remarry. Because, and the Gemara says, why not? Because... She has a mind, in her mind, this is all about, uh, she's coming to testify all about the ksuba money. 
That's what she's coming to do. She's coming to testify about the Ksuba money. She wants the, the Ksuba money. So this is not really about uh, her remarrying. The whole heter. The only reason why we allowed one witness and even the wife herself to testify was to allow her to remarry. She's not coming in even with the... With the um, uh, she's not coming in with the intention to remarry. She's just focusing on the Ksuba money. And so therefore we will not rely on this leniency. And so we won't allow her to collect the Ksuba. Not only that, we also won't allow her to remarry. We won't allow her to remarry because she's not coming for the purpose of, rema- of, of getting married. So what about the following scenarios? What if she says both? She says, my husband passed away and let me remarry. She first says, let me remarry and also give me my ksuba money. So mahu, what's the law in that case? What do we say in that case? Do we say that uh, because she mentions the ksuba money, that that really is her intention, is really about uh, the ksuba money, um, and uh, and so therefore we shouldn't we shouldn't believe her. Or do we say that no, she's mentioning both because she's just saying my husband passed away. All the ramifications that occur when my husband passes away should then apply. I should be able to remarry. I should be able to collect the ksuba money. She's just saying everything, but it's not limited. Her her her, her focus is not on the ksuba money. Her focus is on everything. Um, And what even happens if she says it in the opposite direction? The Gemara continues and says, And if you want to say that we do believe her when she comes to court and she says, My husband passed away, let me remarry and let me collect the Ksuba money. And so we believe her. And we say that this is really a case where her main focus, because she mentions this first, her primary focus is on getting married. She happens to also mention the ksuba because it's just all the ramifications of the husband's death. So we also let her collect the ksuba. But her first uh, point was about remarrying. So the Gemara now wants to know what happens if she flips it? What happens if she says both, but she first says, Tunuli ksubasi, give me my ksuba money, because my husband passed away. And then afterwards she says, allow me to remarry. So what's the law then? So here, what do we say? Uh, do we say that because the first thing she mentions is the ksuba, so that maybe her main focus is really on the ksuba and receiving her the, the money that her husband promised her? Or do we say that no, it's not, even though she mentions it first, that's not what she's really thinking about. She really wants that permission to remarry, but she doesn't know how the halafka system works, and so she's just going to say everything. She says everything. She wants to, you know, cover all of her bases. And so she says, my husband passed away. You know, everything that happened now that my husband passed away, I should be able to uh, live my life in accordance like everybody else whose husband's passed away. I should be able to collect the ksuba. I should be able to remarry. She just mentions everything. But just because she mentions the ksuba first doesn't mean that that's her primary intent. Uh, No, maybe she's really focused on the marriage. That's really what she's focusing on. So that's the question. Both of those are questions, whether it's, she mentions marriage first, or whether she mentions marriage second, but yeah, both of those are questions of the Gemara. The Gemara for both of them answers teku. We don't know. We don't know the answer. It's a good question. Uh, we don't know the answer to it. Um, and uh, it's really left as a question whether or not, uh, uh, what, what exactly is her intent, which would impact whether or not we believe her for both remarrying and to collect the Ksuba. So again, if we believe her, we believe her entirely to remarry and to collect the ksuba. 
uh, because that means if we believe her, we believe that she's really coming, her primary intent is is for the marriage. If we don't believe her, so then we don't believe her for both. If we don't believe her means that she's not coming for remarrying, she's really coming to collect the ksuba, and then we then we don't trust one witness, we certainly don't trust her, the wife, and so then as such, uh, she cannot uh, remarry, and she also can't collect the ksuba. So, uh, from the Gemara itself, there's some of the commentators the Rambam might understand it differently, but from the, from the simple understanding of the Gemara, it's uh, basically all or nothing. It's um, either we believe her, and then she could collect everything, the ksuba, and she could remarry, or we don't believe her, and she cannot remarry, and she cannot collect. Everybody is in agreement that we still require two witnesses um, to uh, to allow the relatives to inherit from him. So it's just a very interesting concept that um, we have different levels of of um, of the the threshold that's required in order for us to believe her or the one witness. That sometimes it could be sufficient for certain areas of halacha, for certain areas of law, but not for others. This is an idea that comes up in multiple gemaras that. Uh, just because we believe the witness for one area of, of law doesn't mean that we believe that witness for all all the various ramifications. Okay, this concludes this Gemara, and we will continue with the next Mishnah in the next recording.